0: Welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me live from the video zone is Sean.
1: I'm stuck in the video zone. (laughs) I can't find the door to get out of here.
0: And also joining us is a very special guest. You may know him as the video game expert Endercoder on YouTube, or (laughs) you may just know him as Sean's son, Jonah. Jonah, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Scott.
1: I'm so happy to have my boy on the show.
0: Finally a good broadcaster from that family.
1: Uh, finally, yeah. Someone who can actually, you know, not mess up his lines and say something that's halfway intelligent, which is always a plus.
0: <laughs> well, this week we return to the early days of Nickelodeon, and we watched the classic kids game show Nickelodeon Arcade, or as it's better known, Nick Arcade.
1: Yes. Yes. I, me and Jonah had a good time watching this episode. Yes. Um... <laughs> And, you know, Scott, we talked about this before, and I i thought I had never seen or very rarely had seen this show before. Mm-hmm. But now, when I watched it again, I it all came flashing back, and I realized <laughs> I did watch this quite a bit. Um, especially when they showed the, the three wizards in the beginning. Yes. I was like, oh, I remember this one. Yeah, this is a, a trip down memory lane. And I guess it was around the time when I was a young teenager, so I did watch this quite a bit.
2: The last time I remember watching it is when you came over, Scott, and we were just watching it with the subtitles on.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) Did not do a good job of accurately saying what they were saying on the show.
1: (laughs) Jolene got that kick out of watching. We had the subtitles on the YouTube video, and yeah, they they mess up quite a bit. (laughs) It's pretty funny.
0: Now, in a previous episode of the podcast, we covered the mid-1980s Nickelodeon game show Double Dare... But now we move forward a few years, now it's 1992, and the network attempted to embrace the rapidly growing popularity of video games, and they made a game show out of the concept of not only going to an arcade, but getting sent into the video game as well. And uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about how well they executed that concept.
1: It was pretty ingenious, because once they start, we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but once they start doing some of the challenges, it's really, they must have got some pretty nice advertising dollars from these game manufacturers. They're playing mainstream games when they um, are, are playing the challenges, and they, the host does a really good job of giving a nice description about what the game is about. I'm surprised he didn't say, you know, where you could find the game and what the price tag is, but <laughs> um, it was pretty, pretty popular. I remember as a kid watching this that, uh, yeah, these were the games that you, in the systems you wanted to play at the time. You know, a lot of NES, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, even like Neo Geo, I think was in there as yep. the the uh, systems to be to use, which is long dead at this point. But like Cyberlip, yeah, Cyberlip. <laughs> it was kind of kind of cool, but they they're ingenious. I mean, I'm sure they got some nice advertising money from um, these companies for you know promoting your products kind of ingeniously in, in the program.
0: Sure, and I'm sure there are plenty of uh, video game commercials in between that we didn't see for our viewing, but I'm sure they aired all throughout the run of the show. Yeah. Now, just a little background. The the show was created by Kareem Matif and James Bethea, who also designed the virtual reality video games that they play at the end in the video zone. Uh, James Bethea also contributed other things like the walking music for Mikey, the digital character. (laughs) 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 Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun! <laughs> yep, exactly. And the enemies that Mikey faces. Uh, he also did the original sketches. So, I mean, these guys were very much into uh, creating this show from the ground up.
1: Yeah, that that room, I'd still like to see how they did that. I wish they had a behind the scenes of this, the video zone room. Yeah. And it just, watching some of these episodes, it just looks so awkward for these poor contestants. <laughs> Because what, what you're seeing on the screen is not what they're seeing by any means. No. I'd just love to see what they're seeing. Me too.
0: A lot of blue yeah. screen. A lot of blue ladders and big blue yeah. backdrops.
1: But just being able to, knowing where to hit to, you know, restart or to hit the uh, things you need to, the idols or whatever you need to hit to, to move on. Just very awkward. So I, I'd love to see how they did that. And, uh, for the time, though, that was like top of the line technology.
2: Maybe the kids were just fooling around for a little bit, and they made
1: the effects later. <laughs> yeah, them going to a room and run around and hit stuff. <laughs> Could have been.
0: Now it ran for eighty-four episodes from January fourth to November sixth, nineteen ninety-two, which I didn't realize. You know, going into this, this is a show that I just remembered seeing for years, and that's because the reruns aired until nineteen ninety-seven.
1: Yeah, that's that. I saw that too, Scott, and that was amazing to me that this was all filmed or ran. I'm so they say most of the episodes are probably actually filmed in 1991. Yeah. And it, like you said, the run was from January, in, like, uh, you know, 11 months was all this show originally ran. 84 episodes they, they piled in there. Cause I do remember seeing it quite a bit in the mid 90s after 92. So mm-hmm. it's just, uh, and that seems to be the, um, the case with a lot of Nickelodeon shows is a, they film a bunch of them get a bunch of them in the can right off the bat and then just kind of slowly release them or just rerun them forever
0: yeah exactly um
1: so that was, that was quite a I'm just really surprised I didn't see any information about why they stopped creating making episodes did you see anything on that
0: I didn't I didn't no I, and to, I did, like I said I didn't know they stopped that abruptly to to me yeah. it's like you know I'm I'm 12 years old in 1995 and I'm watching the show like, not really realizing, but I, I think once they reached 1997, they were like, alright, the Nintendo 64 is out, Sony has the PlayStation, these games are, are really looking old yeah. and dated, so we, we gotta move on now.
1: Yeah, they ran out of games. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just crazy that they re-ran it for so long. I mean, that guy, must have, the, the host, I forget the host's name, I did Phil, look it up. Fillmore. Film, yes, I mean, that was quite a uh, a deal he had. You must. Have, I wonder if he got any like syndication money after the fact. Who knows? But, oh yeah. I mean, just a little eleven month thing. Not committed for more than that. I mean, that's a pretty hectic schedule though. Eighty-four episodes. I mean, that's a couple a week. Yeah. If not more. So, it's, yeah, it's hectic for a while. Probably a, a decent payday at least.
0: This also aired. I remember distinctly. Uh, you know, into the mid '90s. At like 5.30 in the morning, 6 in the morning, it was a very, it was like one of the shows that, right when Nick at Night switched back over to Nick, it was like one of the (laughs) first shows they showed. When I think of Nick Arcade, it's one of those shows I'm like, yeah, this meant I was like up way too early for school, or, you know, that's what it meant to me.
1: The credits of Green Acres were rolling. Yes. And Nick Arcade (laughs) starts up. Yeah. Or, you know, this is probably what got Mr. Wizard off the air, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that's uh, true. Mr. Wizard was another early one, too, yeah. He exactly. was always
1: like, like 5 o'clock in the morning, Mr. Wizard's World. Yeah. But I don't remember him this late in the 90s. Maybe it was. But, yeah, that's that's crazy.
2: He would be up early enough to watch that.
1: Saturday morning, man. Yeah. Get up. Get all the time you can. And before, you know, the Saturday morning cartoon star, you got to watch something. So, <laughs> Mr. Wizard or this. But this wasn't, it definitely was not a bad show. I mean, it, it was interesting.
0: Yes. Now, this was another interesting fact I found in my research. You know, we, we talked about how abrupt the schedule was for the original Nick Arcade, but there was a spinoff in Mexico, Zona de Juegos, which, you it know, Game Zone. It aired from 1995 to 2007.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: A very long run.
1: I saw the name of it. I didn't see the run of it. That's amazing. Yeah. They went with this concept and just took off with it. Sure. Yeah, and this episode especially is a a very special episode, I guess you can say, Mm -hmm. because of the the contestants um, on this particular episode.
0: Yes, we we had a variety to choose from. There's a lot of episodes that were, you know, out there, like we said, ran for 84. Uh, Variety of young contestants. In fact, I even found out that Joey Fatone appeared as a kid in the show. Yes,
1: yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Joseph Fatone was the name he went under. Yes, Yes. he was was, a credit under.
0: But in in keeping with the classic Nickelodeon theme, we we watched one of the two celebrity specials they had. One featured the cast of Clarissa Explains It All, but this one that we watched for this episode of the podcast featured four of the kids from the classic show Salute Your Shorts.
1: Now, Scott, I also saw, maybe I'm wrong, but I I saw the Clarissa Explains It All episode... But there was also, I think, Welcome Freshman had a um, Nick Arcade show. Also, did they really? Yeah,
0: I did yeah. not see that.
1: I saw that in some site I was looking at that they had it was salute your shorts, Costa explains it all, and Welcome Freshman cast.
0: Oh wow, I didn't catch that at and, all.
1: But this one was unique. Do you know? do you see why this one is unique? Why is that? This is the only one where they played the game using the regular rules with the actual scoring, um, and what I mean by that is at the end only one of the teams got to go to the video zone team that won, and mm-hmm. the other two, the Chris Explains It All and the Welcome Freshman ones, both teams, no matter who won, went to the video zone at the end. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: So it wasn't maybe a longer show.
1: Yeah, they did something. They wanted to get all the cast members involved, I guess. So I think the Salute Your Shorts one was probably the first one they did. I- I'm not positive about that. And then they realized after the fact, you know, we have to get the, you know, <laughs> kind of do some cross-promotion here and get these other kids Involved in a uh, video zone.
0: Not only that, like, nothing was going to charity in this show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so let's get right into this episode. Uh, we start with the announcer, Andrea Lively, telling us, Get ready for the ultimate video challenge as these two teams go head-to-head with a maze of electronic obstacles for the right to face one of our game wizards in the video zone. Get busy, <laughs> here comes Nick Arcade. And that's like, they show, as you mentioned, there's one of three wizards, they call yeah. them, the villains Pumpin. at the end.
1: We, we got was it Mongo this time.
0: Mongo was the one we got for this one. Mongo, line.
1: yes. And there's the other one that got the, I, I forgot the other two are. Yeah, I don't know. I fiery or something else, yeah.
0: <laughs> I always saw Mongo. I don't know if he just showed up more often than not, or...
1: Mongo, was, I think, is more common of, of the ones I've ever seen.
0: So she next introduces the host, Phil Moore. Uh, Just a little background on Phil Moore. He moved from Baltimore to Florida. He studied uh, at an aeronautical school. And he found work as a warm-up comedian for shows like The Mickey Mouse Club and Remote Control. Do you remember that show, Sean? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he later became known as just kind of a well-known comedian around Orlando before landing that hosting job at Nick Arcade. And uh, he actually did go on to win an Emmy in 2001 for hosting a a show that about you know ecology and nature called Aqua Kids.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a little bit of a career after Nick Arcade.
0: Yeah, and he's still still somewhat active in the business. Now, what what did you guys think of Phil Moore's hosting style?
1: I thought his hosting style was very rushed. That's the impression I got. Mm-hmm. It's just like very very quick. Like he just. Had maybe because they were filling multiple up, multiple episodes or something, but he had better, something better than two, it seemed like to me. Um, I noticed that a few times. It's like, oh, okay, go. It's just very. <laughs> his, his mannerisms and the way he was just. He was no Alex Trebek when he was talking to them, was put it that way. <laughs> that was just my impression.
0: He had the strangest mannerisms. I, I remember even as a little kid watching Nick Arcade and just thinking, like, Phil Moore really moves weird when he talks. Yes. You yeah. know, he, he like yes. over exaggerates his gestures. It's, it's really weird. Really, He's really weird. He's trying
1: too hard, almost.
0: It seems that way.
1: Almost. Yeah. I, I, I just, I just thought it was very quick. Like all his, you know, he would run through, uh, um, I don't know if it was his kind of ad-libbing stuff or if he had cue cards, but it just seemed like he was trying just to get through it to get to the next thing. Yeah. Especially, you know, cause it is a fast paced kind of show and, you know, they go through the rounds like wicked fast and. I don't see, I, I've never remember seeing an episode where Mikey gets to the actual goal. I
0: going to mention that,
1: yes. You know, he, <laughs> it's like always, and some of the, we'll talk about this in a few too, but some of the, the moves that the, the teams make when they move them around it is stupid, but. Yeah. I've never, it's like, oh, okay, we're off time. It's time to zap Mikey to the zone. It's like, what? Yeah. It's been like two
0: minutes. I know, exactly. I guess they just wanted, uh, you know, this is a high energy show and they just probably wanted a high-energy host hosting their high-energy game, and and this is what we got.
2: They wanted to fit little kids' attention spans.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, that's probably very true, yeah.
0: Now, so, in the show, in the center of the stage, we get these large, metal-looking vault doors. They, these come into play quite a bit. Uh, yep. they, they open, and the host of the show, Phil Moore, he dances through uh, this pink, neon-lit corridor. There's a cloud of stage fog in there as well. And uh, behind him, if you notice, you can see that video game cabinet with the words Face Off, kind of sitting there, getting ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Phil tells us that today is a special day in the video arcade, because this episode features four of the cast members from Nickelodeon's Salute Your Shorts. So, uh, just a breakdown of the teams that we got for this episode. On the yellow team, we have Danny Cooksey, who played Bobby (laughs) Budnick, and Michael Bauer, who played Eddie Donkey Lips Gelfin. So let's call him Donkey for the
1: show. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's too good.
0: On the red team, we have Megan Berwick, who played ZZ Ziff, and Heidi Lucas, who played Dina Alexander.
1: You know, this is a, a very special show for me because of all the Nick shows, with the one exception, I, I probably enjoyed um, Hey Dude as much as I enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. Salute Your Shorts. This is probably the, my favorite Nick show. And also, you can't do it on television, of course. Mm -hmm. But in this time frame, I love Salute Your Shorts. I I, I was a big fan of the whole concept. I don't know, Scott, you were a bit younger than me at this time, but I always wanted to go to a summer camp like that, or a summer camp in general, where you would actually stay over for the entire summer. I don't know what it was, but just that idea of being in a place like that for the whole summer and you know it's like okay the parents drop you off in in may and you're there until like august Goodbye. that would be awesome and just the whole all the characters were fantastic so this was this brought back a lot of memories and these actors are just fantastic as as we'll talk about
0: yeah i never had that desire to go to summer camp uh but this was you know like you know i'm a few years behind you but these shows ran in reruns for so many years. We all kind of had the same viewing experience at the same age with these shows, you know? Yeah. yeah. I love this show as well. Did you ever watch Salute Your Shorts, Jonah? Did your dad ever show you? No. You'll have really. to watch it sometime.
1: We have sung the theme song on the way to school in the car. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hilarious.
2: Yeah. Let's not talk about that. But
1: it's just. Yeah. And, the you know, thinking about it now, it's like so kind of disturbing because having a boys' and girls' camp together like this I don't think would maybe it does fly I don't know nowadays but
0: it works if you got an ugly in place you know yeah I
1: I guess so he's he's a great chaperone
0: and Dr. Khan (laughs)
1: Dr. Khan (laughs) the the, never seen Dr. Khan I think there's no other camp counselors right it's like you saw ugly and you saw
0: Mona was the other adult
1: oh Mona yes I forgot about Mona
0: the late Christine Cavanaugh
1: oh she passed I didn't know that yeah oh
0: and that's another show, when just kind of looking into some research, uh, that only aired two seasons as well.
1: Yeah, did you see why? No. I, I saw why, because I was always curious. I know Nick and, like, Disney, I think, are very, well, not so much Disney, but more Nickelodeon, I heard. They only do a certain number of episodes, and then they, they cut it off. Yeah. Even if the show is number one, for some reason, they, like Chris explains it all, I think, that show was very popular, and they still gave it the Gax after when it hit that episode number mark. This was a different case. Salute Your Shorts was on for two seasons, like you said. It was filmed primarily in Los Angeles County. It was unique in that respect because it was filmed um, like an actual park-type camp area. and, And it wasn't on a soundstage for most of it. It was just outside. And most of the actors were from that area, from the Los Angeles area. And basically, at the end of the second season, they wanted to keep this thing going. But I guess... They wanted to move all the production to Orlando, to Nickelodeon Studios, and none of the cast members wanted to relocate.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't blame them.
1: They were like they were just getting into like the high school age. They didn't want to have to leave Los Angeles and go to Orlando, so they killed it because of that. I, I think one of the unique things about this show is that one of the main characters that actually liked the kid, was it, was it Michael was his name? The one that left after the first season?
0: Yeah, Michael, yeah.
1: He like hated the camp so much. I think they put him as the the kid, it was his first year there sort of situation. Yeah, and he was our entry kids. point. Yes. Like we, we experienced it coming in from him. Yeah. And so he was like all upset with his parents for making him co- go to camp and even the name Camp Anawana is like a is <laughs> like a homonym, is that the right word for I don't wanna Camp Anawana? Yeah, and he left after the first season. They gave him the excuse, and they brought another actor in to kind of replace him. Not the same character, but, you know, a different character. And I read on the website, uh, talking about Salute Your Shorts, that the excuse they gave him for going home was he got the chicken pox. So his parents had to come get him from camp. Mm-hmm. And I guess the kid never acted again after Salute Your Shorts. Wow. So I get the, in the website, they said that getting a chicken pox is the same thing as saying, I'm, I'm quitting acting. Because after that, he just... That was it. He quit acting and he went back with his family. I think they lived in Hawaii, and he was done. So, <laughs> pretty much <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I remember they replaced him with uh, Ronnie Pinsky, played by yes. Blake Soper, I believe was his name at the time. Now he uh, is a famous musician. He was a guitarist for Rilo Kiley and other bands. Yeah,
1: yeah, I've heard the name. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Well, Good.
2: Michael is probably at a is probably at a stop and shop somewhere. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I, saying, oh, you're the guy from Salute Your Shorts." Yeah. You see,
1: where, you see where I get, Johnny gets my sarcasm from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so positive. He could be like a doctor, but you know, he are at a stop and shop in Hawaii. Another interesting thing is after the pilot episode, I don't know if you read about this, Scott, of Salute Your Shorts, all the casts, after they decided to pick it up for a full season, the entire cast had to re-audition for their parts.
0: Really? Yeah. Which I, I thought was bizarre. Strange.
1: It's like, what are you going to do? Get rid of everybody and get a new cat It's very bizarre.
0: Yeah, I just looked online, and the the guy who played Michael, Eric MacArthur, he did appear in the movie Pleasantville in 1998. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, and now he does directorial work.
1: Oh, so he's not working at Stop and Shop.
0: So oh. yeah, so that's good. He's not uh, not acting anymore, but, uh, you know, still in the business, so good for him. I wonder what he did in Pleasantville. Huh, I'll have to go
1: back and check that out. I don't yeah, know. I like that movie. But that's another podcast.
0: So is the Salute Your Shorts one, which we've got to watch an episode of that as well.
1: I, exactly. We can get into so much things with Salute Your Shorts. It's it's amazing, amazing show.
0: So back to Nick Arcade. Uh, to start the game now, Phil invites Megan and Bobby to center stage to play the face-off game. And <laughs> the, the face-off game cabinet kind of drives itself out of the corridor and into position in the center of the stage. And uh, the video games that they played for these face-offs, they varied from episode to episode. And for this opening face-off, they have to play the game Jet Jocks.
3: <laughs> Ready, set, go! They are off! You beach bum! Red team is in the water right now, yellow team's in the water. Yellow team is slightly ahead. Right, both off.
0: What'd you guys yeah. think of the game Jet
1: Jocks? Jonah, you go first. What did you think of Jet well, Jets?
2: Well, not the best game. That's <laughs> one thing I have to say.
1: Jonah is quite kind. Uh, um, this game was just really, really funny. At this point, I couldn't tell if the game was just horrible or if they couldn't play video games very well. Huh. I think I get my question answered as we go on a little bit.
0: but It's a little what? of both, it seems.
2: Why would they be in Nick okay if they couldn't play video games?
1: Wow. Well, that's another story. <laughs> um... I thought it was funny that's the name of the, uh, the game Jet Jocks. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. What does that refer to? And, and the fact that they're, you know, just the whole concept, they're, they're driving jet skis like down the Amazon River. <laughs> and there's natives coming down and alligators. Like, what? Who, who would ever do that? You
2: know. That, I saw a guy swimming.
0: Yeah. There's a guy swimming, rocks. Canoes. There's two guys in a, in a canoe.
1: Two bald guys in a canoe. Yeah, I saw them. It's like, what, what is this? You know, why would you ever... They're just kind of jerks. I hope they get their jet skis destroyed.
0: <laughs> and if you, yeah. and we, we should clarify for the listeners. In this game, you have to race your jet skis across the screen, down the Amazon River. You try to avoid these perils. It's kind of a side-scrolling game, and the screen is split horizontally. And points are given out based on how far you can travel. It's not really a race, uh, but, you know, it's, it's just merely whoever has the most points after you know 30 seconds or so yeah. and i love when you hit an obstacle it just says like crash and there's like a guy that's like you beach bum yeah. <laughs> beach bum on the amazon river <laughs> some random things yeah. and
1: this is the we'll talk about this in a little bit but this is the the game they played for both of the rounds mm-hmm. um jet jocks for their you know in-house game and i don't think someone told them i don't know if you knows this scott Someone didn't tell them, I don't think, until the end of the second round that you can actually jump over stuff with the jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, no one pressed the jump button. Because I thought, yeah, maybe there, you can't jump. You just have to go up and down on this on this vertical river mm-hmm. and avoid stuff. But now I was watching the second round through, and someone's jumping over stuff. I'm like, you could jump. Why aren't you jumping over stuff? <laughs> Why not? You t- was there like a button there they forgot to tell them about, or just they didn't tell him about? It's very bizarre. That is funny. I guess they had no practice time before the before the uh, game to play Jet Jocks.
0: It seems like that. Now, these face-off games, now, they, they shouldn't be too familiar to anybody watching because they were not commercially available. They were developed by the production company of the show's creators yes. along with Saddleback slash Live Studios and a video game development company out of Liverpool called Psygnosis, if I'm saying that right.
1: Yeah, which, I tried to look at their logo, and I was having a tough time figuring out what their name was. It is
0: a terrible logo, and you can barely read the words, and I think there's like a uh-huh. snow owl or something. Yeah. Which, by the way, Cygnosis—if I again, if I'm saying that right, lasted until 2012. Wow. wow.
1: Did you see, did they put out any other kind of games that were... Any kind of value at all?
0: They Well, uh, value is subjective, but they, there is a list on Wikipedia of their games that they had developed for various consoles over the years. Hmm. So they got yeah. some business. I think they were eventually absorbed by Sony.
1: Huh. It looked like a really two-bit type of company.
0: Well, you know what these were made for? These games. These were all on the Amiga.
1: Oh, were they Amiga games? Yeah. Yeah. Was the Amiga? It was another fine console that didn't do too well. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda of like the Neo Geo, if I'm correct, right? Mika didn't last long at all.
0: I, think. I don't, I don't think so, but yeah. No. Yeah.
2: I have one question about Jet Jocks and the other games they play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do they record the screen without their heads getting in the way? That's a
0: good question, Jonah.
1: I guess they just had another feed, probably that was coming off of that screen. I'm assuming that went right to the control one. booth or maybe something. They,
2: maybe they plugged in one of those DS GS recor- GS recorder chips into it.
1: Yeah, perhaps. I think it would be more entertaining to see the back of their heads as they did it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like a real video arcade experience where you you know put a quarter on the machine and wait for your turn.
2: You can actually see their facial expressions with a webcam as they're playing.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> before it's time, unfortunately.
0: You yeah, this jump? is unfortunately. Sorry. Yeah, we're uh, was it twenty four years ago? So
1: yeah, they didn't have that technology. I'm surprised they had the technology for the blue screen, to be honest with you.
0: That was like limited only to weathermen at the time. It seems.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Now, of course, in this game, poor Megan, she had a, a lot of trouble. Yeah, and uh, Bobby did win one hundred five to eighty. So so.
1: I mean, it's not not too far off. Yeah, I actually couldn't tell you who's going to win that. I was like watching it, and they were both crashing. It seemed the same amount. So <laughs> I didn't I was, know
2: who was who.
1: There was no real front runner as far as I could see. But
0: and I love when th- when this game ended. You know, we were talking about how high energy this is. Everybody immediately vacates. Everybody yeah. runs out of center stage. The kids run to their team podiums. Phil runs to the host lectern on the opposite side. And the face-off game cabinet backs up real fast through the stage doors. Everybody just leaves. And as this happens, the lights dim. We get a little theme music. Then there's like neon squares that are projected all over the floor. It's like yep. really, uh, you know, early 90s aesthetic here.
1: I was I was really curious to see how this would go. And I think I wasn't disappointed. It was seemed a little more... Uh, finessed, I guess you can say, a little more clean in a typical episode because mm-hmm. these are professional actors. I mean, they're playing themselves obviously, but they're still acting. They're still actors, so they don't have the, as much nervousness as a, a typical kid would have I don't think. Mm. So you did see, kind of see that with their expressions after they were done playing or before they were done pl- started playing. They were just kind of, like, more comfortable being in front of a camera than a typical 12-year-old from, you know, Sandusky, Ohio would have been or something. They just seemed very relaxed. So I, th- I bet a lot of it was right. just their training as an actor to, to move around and get off this, you know, hit their marks quickly instead of some kid wandering around.
2: So basically you're saying Nick Arcade is acting school? Well, parts
1: of it are, guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> good training. All good training. Yep. So, once everything is settled, Phil introduces the teams to the audience, and he starts with the yellow team, Michael and Danny, and now we get that typical host banter, where the contestants reveal some story or detail about their life, and so starting with Michael, Phil mentions that, in addition to playing Donkey Lips, he collects comic books. Yes. He has 300, and his most treasured is Amazing Spider-Man number 8, which he claims is worth about $600.
1: Now, Scott, did you look up the actual value I had to look up the value of this?
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: So, I looked on the website that me and Scott typically buy comic books from, um, mycomicshop.com. Please sponsor us. Um, (laughs) And I found a number of amazing Spider-Man number eights from 1963 on the site for sale. And the best one I could find, which was a 5.0, which is right in the middle, you know, grading-wise and and Mm condition-wise, which was graded. So it basically that means it was professionally looked at and giving a, a a grade between 0 and 10 and was encapsulated in plastic. That had a current value or selling for $375. Oh wow. That was the highest one I saw. Other ones that were a little bit less, you know, the condition was a little bit less, you know, 4.0s were around, you know, the 200-300 range. So, I think <laughs> it might have, a little bit once he had a a mint condition or are pretty close to mint condition Amazing Spider-Man number eight. I think it was overestimating the value of that at the time. A, a right.
0: little bit, yeah.
1: A little bit. Because that's do you know, think about inflation too. I mean, I don't know. I think he was just pulling numbers out of the air, to be honest with you. It, it, I was
0: looking at the issue itself. It, it's a key issue by virtue of it being an old single-digit issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. But there's no first appearances or anything. It's just basically the Fantastic Four show up in that comic. So
1: I, I noticed that one, too. I was like, this is not a really... that's. I think that contributes to its value. I mean, it's not... Or a lack of value. Yeah. It's nothing... Besides, like you said, being an early Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man issue, it's not really... Nothing stands out besides that, so... He was excited, and he was a kid, you know. Oh, yeah. sure. Some of that, so your shorts, your shorts money, you had to get to some good investing. So I I, I give him kudos for investing wisely in, in comic books at the time.
0: Hopefully he still has it.
1: I, I hope so. That's what I was thinking. He's yeah. had a good career, Michael. Yeah. He's done a bunch of stuff. He looks almost the same as he did back then with a beard. I mean, if you look at his picture, I have TP. But he was in a number of productions and some other work, voice work, I think.
0: Yeah, video game, he was in Grand Theft Auto 4. I remember him in The Wonder yeah. Years, a little after Salute Your Shorts.
1: Yes, I, sh- I forgot about that. He was in The Wonder Years. Who, like, Kevin's friend or something?
0: Yeah, one of the kids from their school.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, he was on X-Files, he was on Bones. He He's probably the most regularly working of all the uh, former cast members.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Quite active on social media, I read, too.
0: Now, Jonah, I was going to ask, what's your most treasured comic book in your collection?
2: Well, I have The New Adventures of Superboy number
0: one. Oh, wow, nice. Yep. Guess
1: who bought that for him?
0: Who? Thank you. Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) So next is Danny, who Phil mentions, in addition to playing Budnick, is a singer and lyricist with an album coming out.
1: I I looked this up, Scott. (laughs) I I (laughs) laughed so hard when I looked this up. I, I said, I have to look this up. I told Jonah, this is. I don't know what this is. But it, this is – do you want to do it or how do you want
0: to – Go right ahead. Go right ahead.
1: So Danny, and he probably is best well-known – I mean, he was in a number of things. I mean, he's a, a redheaded, long-haired kid. But I, he was in a bunch of stuff in the early 80s, mid-80s. I forgot actually the show he was in, but he was in a different bunch strokes. of – Different Strokes. Different Strokes, that's it. He was yeah. in Different Strokes, a bunch of roles. But I think his most popular role – and where I recognized him right away, and everyone else will, because it came out right around the time of Salute Your Shorts." Was he was in Terminator Two, uh, Judgment Day? Yeah, hmm. very huge, huge film, and it wasn't like a two-second role. I don't know if you ever saw that before, Scott. Years I mean, ago, but I don't. a Terminator fan.
0: I, don't, I years ago, but I don't remember. I don't remember him in it. He was in this movie, and it was a. Right near the
1: beginning of the movie, he played John Connor, the kid's friend. And it wasn't like, like, I said, he wasn't in there for just a minute or two. He was in there for a good 15, 20 minutes as, you know, the, the Terminator was, was hunting down John Connor. Hmm. It had a lot of lines and was, you know, pretty pivotal for a little bit to the, the story. And he looks exactly the same as he does in Salute Your Shorts. It, it's basically the same character. <laughs> Even attitude wise, and what you expect Butnik to be outside of camp. So I like to kind of joke to myself. I say, I wish they would have put a reference to that in Salute Your Shorts or, or vice versa.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, like do like,
1: oh, my friend John, you know, he kind of he disappeared <laughs> right before I went to camp. That would have been hilarious because it was so similar. But anyway, going back to his <laughs> career as a singer. <laughs> So I looked this up, and just like he said, his album of his band, his band was called Bad for Good, B-A-D, number four, good. It was a, a quartet. Uh, it was a metal-type band that was actually formed by Steve Vai. Yeah. It started, actually, a number, Brooks um, Wackerman, who it was, it's a drummer, and he, um actually, I played I think he played for Bad Religion and some other metal-type yeah. bands. Um, So he went off to success, and two other guys, and Danny, who was the singer of this band, and sure enough, August 18th, 92, his album came out for this band, Bad for Good, the only album they had, and it was called um, Refugee, in August 92. The thing that cracked me up and made me laugh about this, two things. First thing is, I looked at the picture of this album on Wikipedia, it had a parental uh, advisory on it. Oh, did it really? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, What? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know it's a myth me- but this is like a, a group of younger kids I mean they're in their early teens or, or younger huh. and Jonah you probably don't know this but when we were me and Scott were kids especially any music that had a parental advisory it was a pretty prominent box they put on albums and it was like a, a logo with like black and light letters, parental advisory, explicit lyrics on it, and that had swears on it. That's what that meant. That the songs right. or the content was was there was cursing on that album. Right. So the fact that they they put there was cursing on this album just cracks me up.
0: Yeah. Who's it for at that point?
1: Yeah. And it's like, what? What, what are you talking about? Didn't do very well. And one of the the things that one of the reviewers cracked me up. He said the singer Danny's uh, singing was like a Muppet Babies version of Megadeth. <laughs> so, and the band's broke up I, or didn't go much further than that. But just really funny that he would be so proud of that and be presenting it on Nickelodeon. It had yeah, albums coming out and it had a parental advisory. Right. it's like really funny.
0: Now, Danny Cooksey, like like you mentioned, lifelong actor, probably the most accomplished actor of the entire cast. Yeah, he actually did some voices on uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, and uh, even today, Danny Cooksey regularly working voice actor.
1: Yeah, he played um, what's that rich kid on Tiny Tunes?
0: Mont uh, Max Mon- uh, Montana yeah, Max, Max.
1: Yeah. Montana Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can definitely hear it once you see that show.
0: Yep. Oh yeah, and uh, he's a married father of two now.
1: That's good. And still playing music. I think he was in a band as recently as the last year, so still cranking it out, which is good. Nothing to the uh, success of uh, <laughs> Bad for Good, though, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> now, Phil next said that because this is a celebrity game, the teams are playing for charities, and the yellow team is playing for the Fund for Peace, which they never really explain.
1: Yeah, I didn't get a chance to look that up. I it, want to.
0: It's a real, you know, for humanitarian causes and, and things, but, you know, usually you get a little bit of an explanation.
1: Of why they chose that? Yeah. Yeah. But, whatever. These kids probably didn't get paid much. Right. For salute Your Shorts. I can't imagine they were much more than, you know, scale. They probably should have given the kids the cash, but, you know.
0: <laughs> I sta- guess they, they couldn't. Probably standard appearance fee or whatever. Yeah. You know. Right. So, Phil next introduces the red team, Megan and Heidi. Uh, Starting with Heidi, Phil asks, you know, has anything unusual ever happened on the set of Salute Your Shorts? And uh, she she has this great story, you know, she's really enthusiastic about telling him this story. Uh, One time we were taping an episode where the character Dina was competing with Telly for the position of cabin chief, and an unplanned pie fight broke out, and at the end, (laughs) they fell down. They didn't get hurt, but they fell down. You know, it's like, okay, great story, Heidi.
1: Yeah, thank you very <laughs> much.
0: <laughs> now, today, I don't know if you, you did any research. Uh, today, Heidi is completely out of the acting business. Yes, she I did, did see a, that. a little more acting through the 90s. I think her one of her last roles was on the Wayans Brothers. Sean yeah. and Marlon had their own show. Uh, but now she is a working attorney in California.
1: Yep. Right. Yeah, good for her. Doing well.
0: So, Phil next moves on to Megan who says that she likes to do what's called close magic. And these are, you know, card and table tricks rather than the big, grand stage illusions. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we get an example. So I we...
1: make may a note at this point that she interrupted the host at this point. It was kind of rude, in my opinion. Oh, Did she? Yeah, she kind of just, like, spoke over him. And, you know, <laughs> when she's about to do her trick, it kind of annoyed me. I was like, oh, I
0: remember come
2: my dad or Sean had had to go back and watch the trick again.
0: I missed it, like, twice. Um <laughs> They didn't get a good shot of it, first of all. It, yeah. she, she performs what she calls a French drop. This is, you know, this is where the left hand pretends to grab a small object while it really, or in this case very obviously, drops into the right hand, and then the left hand opens, revealing nothing inside.
1: Yes. I'm really upset with myself for going back and watching it again, because <laughs> it really didn't do much for me. Yeah, she was kind of like in Salute Your Shorts, and again, when we do our Salute Your Shorts podcast... So these two characters were interesting, because so I think they were the, the top female leads.
0: Well, was, them and Telly. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But they were the two... They They're kind of like the, the Betty and Veronica, I would kind of say. That's the impression I have as I, when I was 12 years old, so... Sure, they
0: were kind um, of at opposite ends of the spectrum. I remember, uh, what was it, uh, Dina was more into, like, makeup and doing her hair. ZZ was more into, like, conserving energy and yeah. water and nature. And there was uh, some... Was it one episode where she was telling her how much energy is wasted with her hair dryer?
1: I always got the impression that Dina was kind of the rich girl. Yeah, you know, Zizi was kind of like, like the flower child hippie type girl. So right. that's why I got the, you know, I relate everything back to Archie. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course, Michael was Archie is why he left the show. So
0: sure, we got Jughead. Yes, in place of him. Now, uh, Megan also left acting, but she went on to be a a development manager at a microfunds corporation, and then she later got her MA in International Political Economics from Stanford. Smart girl, yeah. Yeah. Now, they're playing for the American Cancer Society, and uh, it's also told to us that if any of the teams win the game, they will win $1,000 for the charity they are playing for. Yes. So, uh, both teams have been officially welcomed. We cut to an overhead crane shot of the audience for no reason. The kids are going crazy. <laughs> and uh we we next begin round one of the show which involves moving a digital character named Mikey described as a video adventurer across a three square by five square game board from a starting square at one end to a goal square at the other and this is all shown on a very large monitor next to Phil
1: and you got the sound that goes
3: do, 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 when he moves. <laughs>
0: So the team in control gets to choose if Mikey moves one space up, down, left, right, no diagonals. And as he moves to a new square, he uncovers any of the four Ps, points, puzzles, pop quizzes, or prizes, as well as hidden enemies that will cause a team to lose control to the other team. Correct answers are worth 25 points, and the winners after two rounds move on to the video zone.
2: And Scott, what's the name of the villain this
0: time? Blackboard
1: the pirate. Blackboard the pirate. Yes. Who's not even a blackboard? Joe and they came at the same point. Oh my god, it's the stupidest name.
0: Yeah, it's a play on Blackbeard, and they colored him like beige. <laughs> is he supposed? To?
1: Yeah, it was. It was not. Not good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so next, the announcer Andrea says that for today's game, Mikey will be playing in Pirates Cove, with round one being called Sunken Ship, and the hidden enemy is hammerhead shark. It was a cartoon shark with a head shaped like a tool hammer. <laughs> really dumb.
1: Yeah, because you can't put a normal hammerhead shark, you know. Those <laughs> don't really exist.
0: <laughs> the team that reaches the goal wins 50 points. Now, there's other levels that they kind of cycled through. Uh, we got Pirate's Cove obviously, but there was also Cam a Little, instead of Camelot. Uh, Cape Cosmos, Creepyville, Forgotten Desert, Mikey's Neighborhood, Slurpy Gulch, Specific Ocean, Time Portal, Volcano Jungle, and We Got'em, mall So, Ma-ma. we got Pirate's Cove. Yeah.
2: Specific Ocean.
0: <laughs> Specific, yeah.
1: Very, very good puns there.
0: Oh, excellent.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good job, good writing.
0: So, doing the worst pirate impression in recorded history, Phil begins the round, letting the yellow team make their move. They go up, revealing the game called Flash Frame.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting game. Most likely to cause seizures, I think. <laughs> all <really>? the games. <laughs> Where basically, they flashed it, the, the point was to find the first team to name, I think it was three animals out uh, of these frames that were flashing very quickly mm-hmm. of various shots. Uh, you know, it's probably one frame a second or less than that. And, you know, every fourth or fifth frame or whatever the random pattern was, it would flash an animal. And the first team to name three animals from the list of animals would get the 25 points. Yeah. The boys' team, the men got it. I think they they picked a lion, a dog, and got the third animal.
0: Yeah, I forget too. But there was like, you know, like a a Formula One racer and, you know, there's all kinds of just random images. These were all filler games. You know, it's like, come on, we want to see some video games. We don't want to see, it's basically anything we can play on a monitor or just read from a card as filler, you know?
1: Yeah, and they would have been better off, I think, just having controls right at the, the podiums. And like you said, you know, going to a video game right from there. I mean, why why, instead of doing the whole production of, oh, let's bring them over, which we'll talk about in a minute, to the the five cabinets that are set up, and we have to go over every game, it's like, oh, come on, just pick one.
0: (laughs) Well, let's get right into that, because Michael got it right. And so they move Mikey to the next square, which is the video challenge. And this was, you know, this was a huge part of the show, too. This was really the Nick arcade. The team runs over to the right side of the stage. It's this video challenge on the floor, and they choose from an array of five game cabinets. Yep. And uh, yeah. this is played a certain way. One team member volunteers, while the other secretly makes a wager on their partner's gameplay on a. Do you remember the Magna Doodle? Yeah, it's
1: a huge Magna Doodle.
0: It's a, when they have to cover it; they kind of like mask it off so you can't tell, but it's very clearly a Magna Doodle toy, which was almost like an etch-a-sketch, but it, it could easily be erased by sliding a switch at the bottom. Can
1: I can I go back for one second after when they move Mikey again? Thing that cracked me up about this is when Mikey moved the first time; he was at the very end of the board on the right. Mm-hmm. And the only ways you could go were you go up, down, or left. They moved them up for the first turn. Mm-hmm. So at that point, after the flash frame uh, game, they were stuck, they were in a corner. The only possible way they could have gone was left. Yeah. He still asked them which way they wanted to go. <laughs> and there was a good two or three second pause where <laughs> the camera zoomed back to them to figure out before he said, oh, let's go left. But there's nowhere else to go. Just say you're going left. That, that annoyed me. I guess there is a rule I read that you could go down back to the space with a bomb on it if you wanted to for some bizarre reason. But if he, if that happened, you had to, the team who did that, I will say, went back. They had to unscramble a word in 10 seconds that came up on the screen.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And if they didn't, they lost control to the other team. But why would you ever go back to the space you were just on? It makes no sense. Yeah. So that just cracked me up. I mean, instead of just saying, he could have said, okay, we have to go left. Let's go left. They
0: actually gave him the choice. I'm
1: like, it's such a waste of time. But anyway, right. sorry about that. just thought that no, was interesting.
0: That is funny. I'd never heard that. I don't think I've ever seen that happen either, where they had to backtrack like that. They but I guess back. if you get stuck, you know, that's they have to have some provision in place. Yeah. Right. So back to the video challenge. We have five cabinets. Danny volunteers to play, so Phil presents him with his choices. Uh, Super Adventure Island, mm-hmm. S- Sonic the Hedgehog, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Steel Empire, and Ghost Pilots. Have you played any of these, Jonah?
2: No, besides Sonic.
0: Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog, that's like the classic one.
1: I was almost screaming at the screen, why didn't you pick Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> it yeah. has to be the easiest of all those games to, to play. i will um, that later. Yeah, exactly, Jonah. And, and the point of these games, as we're going to talk about in a second, is whatever one he picked, he has to play it for like 30 seconds, and he has to reach a, like a point number, or he has to collect a certain number of items, as in like Sonic the Hedgehog, a certain number of rings. Mm-hmm. To win that challenge, the
0: expert challenge they call it.
1: Expert challenge, yeah. So that's that's the whole. Whatever game he was playing, you had to hit a certain like ten thousand points in thirty seconds or something like that.
0: Now Danny very confidently was like, "Yeah, I'll try my luck with Ghost Pilots." Uh, this was a Neo Geo game, and uh, Phil explains it's an aerial combat game. You're a World War II pilot blasting enemies, and he tells him that he has to rack up thirty thousand points in stage three. In thirty seconds, and so Michael, holding the tablet, he can wager any of his team's fifty points on Danny completing the challenge. Ready, set, go! He hits. Oops. Okay,
3: we're going now. We have to hit uh, start, and he's going. Got blown away right at the top, and another plane is back. Basically, he has to shoot all the planes before they shoot him. Oh, he got hit again. Another plane is there.
0: So, what did you guys think of this game?
3: I thought he was pretty horrible yeah. playing it.
1: <laughs> I agree. He had to. I mean, he had to get a continue. He, he died so many times. I don't think they, they really accounted for that.
0: <laughs> a bunch of digital nonsense. I mean, like, I, I couldn't even tell half the time who Danny was controlling, because there's so many things flying around. It just, I don't yeah. know.
1: And to, th- to kind of give an overview of what this game is, if you played a Nintendo game like 1941, it's very similar to that. It's, mm. an, it's a bird's eye view above the plane you're controlling. So you're looking from the sky down to the plant to Earth, and the plane is that you're controlling is right above you, or right below you. Yeah. And there's waves and waves, like you said, Scott, just garbage coming at you, and you have to fly around and shoot things, and that's obviously how you get points, but Daniel was not good at this game. I mean, he, right. it was... <laughs> In this kind of game, I don't know about you, Scott, but my strategy would be just to hit the button as much as possible and just shoot whatever I could shoot and just move around and not stay in one place. Like Rock'em Sock'em yeah. Robots. He was just, exactly, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. He was just trying to, I don't know what he was trying to do, but it's like, ah, what are you doing? And like I said, you got to this point where the host, um, I feel like kind of had to say to him, because a continue screen came up where it counts yeah. down from 10, and you have to like, tap it really quick to make the numbers go faster so it could restart. <laughs> He got to that point. He's like, oh, I hit the point. I was like, wow. He, I don't know how close he got. I didn't see the score well, when the, he finished.
0: The, when he died and he had the continue, the score reset to zero. So there was no <laughs> chance of him ever making this challenge. I didn't notice that, but that's that's funny. So I don't know how many he ended up with. It wasn't much. Yeah, because it's like yeah, completely reset. And it was revealed that Michael wagered 10 points, which very, very smart. Player. Yeah.
1: He has right. a, as much confidence as Danny had in playing this game.
0: <laughs> so, they drop down to 40. Everybody runs back, and the red team gets control. They move Mikey down, uncovering just a 25-point bonus. They didn't really have to do anything.
1: And again, I screamed at the screen, why did you go down? Why didn't you go left? But, yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, trying,
1: A goal is to get to the goal, not to move around.
0: Yeah, that's a 50-point bonus. So, they next have to choose where to move him. But, as they're whispering to each other, trying to decide... An alarm sounds, and Phil announces, well, time has run out for the round, and we're going to move Mikey directly to the goal. It's like the round was barely played. Yeah, it's like two minutes in. Uh, you, you, I mean, you mentioned that earlier, Sean. Like, I rarely remember Mikey ever reaching the goal in any of these games. I
1: I, nev- I don't think I've ever seen it once. I think he's gotten within like one or two squares, <laughs> but they always just zap him to the goal. They call it that, zapping him to the goal. Yeah. And it's like, what? What? <laughs> and the fact that I mean if the goal is to your left you, know, you don't know what's under these squares okay it's chance I understand that but just go left to at least try to get there sooner yeah don't go down again
0: you're I mean uh, this drives me nuts so now Phil tells the teams okay we're in sudden death and whichever team can answer the question wins 50 points so basically everything up to this point meant absolutely nothing
2: yeah <laughs> it's like
0: so he has to read a trivia question, and this one is geography. Uh, he says, what word precedes Thomas, John, and Croy in the names of three Caribbean islands?
2: Wisconsin.
1: No, it's not Wisconsin, John. Close. <laughs> <laughs> and this was kind of, I got it after yeah. a second, and I was kind of surprised they didn't get it. So the answer is saint. Yes. St. Thomas, St. John, St. Croy. But they didn't get that one. No one, no one had an answer for that.
0: So we next get another sudden death question. Suddener sudden death uh, what sweet stuff can be processed from a variety of the cane plant?
1: Yep, and this was another tough one, but Donkey Lips pulled it out. Wisconsin. Wisconsin is the <laughs> answer for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the
0: answer for that one, Jonah?
2: Uh, sugar.
1: Sugar. Yes. Yep. Michael came out with sugar.
0: So Michael gets it right, takes a commanding ninety-five to twenty-five lead, and because the round is over, Phil reveals where everything was on the board, and this part. I always, just watching this show, you know, as a kid, it's like, who cares? Yeah, like, exactly. Here's what you missed. Oh, wow. You know, if I if I only said down three moves back, I would have had another pop quiz. Oh, okay.
1: Or if you ever get to the, the far right corner of the screen or left corner of the screen, which you can never do anyway, <laughs> so why even have it? You would have gotten this or had gotten the, the bully
0: or it's like, what? Yeah. They always revealed the, the game board at the end. Like, all right, whatever. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so as the music and applauding picks up, Phil wildly gestures as he tells us, gang, hey, hey, hold on to your shorts, because when we come back, round two is going to happen. You know what we're going to do. We're going to double the points. So stay where you are. haha! <laughs> we'll be back for more special Nick Arcade. And uh, once again, the lights dim, music plays. We get the squares of light. And uh, did you notice, as the camera kind of backs up, like, what Phil is doing? No, I didn't see him. He's doing, like, what looks like some Michael Jackson moves into some karate poses. <laughs> <laughs> he was wired. Why? Man. I gotta think that after they
1: said cut, he had, like, he totally just, like, I can imagine him totally dropping off. <laughs> he goes from a crime move down to, like, a normal guy. He's like, oh.
0: I'm sure he uh yeah had a good night's rest every day. Uh, I'm assuming, yeah. So with the Nickelodeon Arcade logo, we fade into a commercial break. So why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves, we'll pay some bills, and we'll be right back.
2: Hello, listeners. Have you ever thought that someone who was making a Minecraft video is too good at it? Well, you should watch Intercorder then. I know absolutely nothing about what I'm doing. This is really hilarious. You might want to watch it. I do adventure maps, mod showcases, and survival. And I just think you might like
0: it. Bye and we're back okay so fading back in from commercial we get another sweeping crane shot of the audience a, a ton of sugar high kids probably had tons of corn syrup coursing through their veins waving sugar like cane. crazy yep. sugar, sugar cane. cane and so before round 2 can begin they have to play another face off and they play the same game as that we that was mentioned. weird I'm like why, why are you playing jet jocks again this is yeah. bizarre switch it up
3: ready set go They're both up, they're both down. (laughs) High score though. Now they're both back up.
0: Now, did you guys notice uh, this game was played a little differently by the next two kids?
1: Well, they started jumping, so that was a big part of the improvement, I think. (laughs) Someone found the A button.
0: And I noticed Heidi was going a lot slower. Maybe she was a little more hesitant, but she was able to navigate around the obstacles a lot better by doing that. Yeah. So she she beat Danny one oh five to seventy and the red team regained control. So uh once again everyone runs back to their positions, they scramble off the stage, the face off cabinet retreats, and uh once they're settled, Phil asks all four of them, Hey, would you mind singing my favorite song? You know And
1: this I love the theme song and this made me cringe visibly. <laughs> them singing this. It just was so I don't know.
0: They probably told them, all right, kids, you're going to have to sing the song at one point. Phil's going to ha- ask you.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it was staged. Of course it's staged. I mean, I, I was like, oh, But they had to do that cross-promotion, so. Course, do you
0: guys yeah. want to sing it for, for the listeners? <clears throat> <coughs> Camp
1: on the wanna, we hold you in our hearts. And when we think I about, think about you, you, it makes me wanna, wanna fart.
0: It's I hope we never part. <laughs> Get it right or pay the Bit price. Excellent job. So, Phil is giggling at hearing the word fart, and he kind of looks at this. This this made me laugh. He's kind of like looking off to those producers. He's like, I think I can get away with this. Hey, Andrea, where's Mikey farting to for round two? (laughs) So, not even acknowledging Phil's joke in the least, Andrea says that Mikey's game board for round two is Skull Island, with the enemy being Blackboard, or should I say Beigeboard, the pirate. <laughs> it, it's like, I like the idea that this enemy is based on school, because school is bad, kids.
1: Yeah, don't, don't you should play video games all the time, never go to school. Blackboards are, are pirates.
0: <laughs> Which, Jonah, do you guys even have chalkboards in school anymore?
2: No, we don't even have whiteboards that much anymore. We have smartboards. Oh, my goodness. Yep.
1: The days of, of me in elementary school, I'm younger than Jonah, and going out, and the, the biggest uh, job of the day that a teacher could give you that was like the, um, you, you got the special, you're the special kid for that day, if you got it, was to clap the erasers outside. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. I remember some kids used to put chalk inside the, the middle of the eraser. Yep. <laughs> so when they used to erase it, was put chalk on the board again. It <laughs> <That> was funny. <laughs> <laughs> those are the days. Sadly, so no, yeah.
2: the days of that are no more?
1: Nope, it's all smart boards now.
2: Smart Beard the Pirate.
0: <laughs> yeah, Smart Beard the Pirate.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Megan and Heidi make Mikey move left to start, revealing a pop quiz. And so, for 50 points, they have to answer the following question. What snake-like undersea creature is considered an electric fish? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love the answer, too, the way she said it.
0: Yeah. Eel? The eel? The eel?
1: That's right. Good job. And they gave it
0: to her, which, no, it should be the electric eel, but whatever. I had a lot of trouble with these round two questions. We'll get into it. Uh, Next, they make Mikey move down into a video challenge, so now the girls get one. They run over to the game cabinets, and they are not allowed to play a game that's already been played.
1: That's all dark now. Yeah. It's all shut down. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they unplugged yeah. it.
1: They still have it there. They still bring it out, but it's just the thing that lights up the name of it is Dark. Yes. Right. And he makes it a point to say, you can't play that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Megan volunteers to play Sonic the Hedgehog. I was watching him like, yes, good choice.
1: I said the same yes. thing, Mike. Just the, this is where they take over the game. They know what they're doing. They're playing the best, easiest game. You can't screw up Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: No, because even if Sonic gets hit, his rings fly out, and you can kind of collect a little bit of them back. You know, it's yeah. probably the safest choice. Uh, Phil describes it as a Rock'em Sock'em adventure game with the fastest critter in the land. And it's I a fast-paced awesome. type
1: of game. Yeah, it's it's yes. it's easy to get whatever coins you need to get. You can pretty much do it in thirty seconds.
2: Yeah, and of course you have battle Doctor Nick
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. My wife uh, came <laughs> out watching us and. <laughs> He yeah. called it Doctor Robo Nick, and she's like, "It's not Robo Nick; it's Robotnik
2: <laughs> No, not really Robotnik anymore. It's Doctor Eggman now. They
1: yeah, they changed it. it. Yeah, yeah, but it was Robotnik. not yeah. Robo Nick. <laughs> so Samantha had a uh, an entry into this week's uh, podcast. Saying yeah.
0: Very nice, good, good, good. She knew so.
1: that this was not was not correct. The way he pronounced that name, <laughs> Doctor Robo Nick.
0: Yeah, because call it,
2: it Robo Nick for the rest of the
1: forever. Yeah. Robo-Nick from now on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Robo-Nick Arcade.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: So now pulling the card off of the side of the cabinet, Phil reads that the Expert Challenge is collecting 35 rings in the Green Hill Zone 1 in 30 seconds. Now, this is, of course, the only game I'm familiar with. I know Green Hill Zone 1 is where you start.
1: It's the first level. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And 35 rings in 30 seconds is not bad because there's boxes that you jump on and there's 10 automatically.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's a right. fast pace. It's Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic, it's a quick game if you ever played Sonic the Hedgehog, which everyone yeah. hopefully in the world played at least once. It's as popular as Mario Brothers, I mean, for goodness sake.
3: Ready, set, go! Hit start, there we are, now we're going, Sonic is going. All right, all right. There she grabbed 10 rings of that bonus box. All right, she avoided getting zapped. And I, like I said before,
1: Mike, I felt the same way. Like she made a good choice. There's no way she can, Megan can screw this up. But? But Megan ended up screwing this up.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, Heidi makes her wager... Uh, Megan plays, I think, a little too cautiously, I think might have been her problem. Yeah. yeah. She kind of like hesitated on She tried to go back and do some jumps the correct way. I don't know. She collected only 29 and uh, time ran out, unfortunately.
1: And that was a stretch for her to collect those. I'm surprised she did that. <laughs> right. Because she was jumping like over it. McDonald no, you got to run quick and jump. It's, his name is Sonic for a reason. He's not you know a normal hedgehog here, <laughs> yeah, that was I was very upset by that. It's like it, it, so you never do you ever play this game? do you play video games at all? Oh she
0: may not have that's the thing. you know, these were child actors. She maybe may not, not have been a a kid that you know with me, it was like, oh yeah, my parents would go to Sears and I'd be like, oh, I'll be over here in video games playing the demo of Sonic. Ah, uh, she may not have had that experience growing up, maybe not. Know?
1: Maybe not, but it was—it was not a very good uh, demonstration. <laughs> I was very upset.
0: I know. I was like, "Come on, Megan! We were all rooting for you."
1: Yeah, you—you you could have easily taken this game away from them, but nope.
0: So now the yellow team regains control, down 90 to 105. So a really tight game. They make Mikey move down, revealing a game called Hyper Channels. Yes. This was really weird. Uh, In this game, the kids are shown video of channels being quickly flipped. In every clip, the people are talking about the same actress. The first team to buzz in with the correct name, you know, who they're talking about, wins 50 points and control. And as the clips are presented, I'm watching this, they're all fake. They're all staged, uh, shot just for the show.
1: I still don't know how she got where she got in this. I was like, "What?"
0: Same here. I had no clue. Like, it starts with this lady wearing uh, uh, glasses and a sweater, uh, kind of like a Sally Jesse Raphael ripoff. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> says, uh, "Do blondes really have more fun?" And it flips to two wrestlers and some third guy with a cigar in his mouth, which is kind of interesting for Nickelodeon. Yeah. And uh, the wrestlers are in front of the WWW logo, standing for Worldwide Wrestling. Because WWW did not have its full meaning yet.
1: It's not World Wide Web at this point, yes. And
0: uh, as the clue, the wrestlers are like, they say she's the dumbest character on TV. She's the dumbest. Uh, she may p- play a dumb character, but she ain't so dumb. And they're, they're they're fighting like, we're really dumb. No one's dumber than us. Nobody. <laughs> I'm the dumbest. And it's like, what? who in the world are they talking about?
1: What? Yeah, I, I couldn't get that. I, I don't even, I'm very surprised she even pulled out Course, it was the answer was Kelly Bundy from Married the Children, and they he had to go and say, Okay, what's the actress's name? Yeah, they had to pull out, um, I forget her name now.
0: Well, she said it Applegate. wrong. This is my other issue. She goes, Christine Applegate instead of Christina Applegate.
1: Yes, yeah, I didn't count that too. She said, Christine, right. they said, whatever at that point.
0: I guess you know, they they accept it. Phil even repeats her incorrect answer, he's like, That is it, Christine Applegate, yeah. and they cut to a clip of uh, of Christina Applegate, which, you know, I don't know, I don't know about you, Sean, but when I was, you know, that age, like I was not allowed to watch that show.
1: Yeah, married. That's that's a funny thing too. I thought about that first. I mean, it was around that time. It was a popular Fox show, one of the only Fox shows I think in '91
0: <laughs> or somewhere <laughs> around there. Tracy Ullman, maybe.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was the other and one, The Simpsons. But yeah, Married with Children, just like the, what we mentioned mentioned earlier about the parental advisory thing, it was a pretty risque show. I wasn't allowed to watch it in yeah. 1991. It, it, you know, I've I've seen episodes since then, but it was pretty out there um, with adult content, you know, veiled and otherwise. So the fact they even mentioned that, and the fact again that she, I know she was popular on TV, but it's not like they came out with a clue about anything w- with married or children or something else that could have pointed to it. Right. The clues are a, a blonde, and she's not dumb. I mean. I'm sure there's other characters on TV shows at that time that that could have been placemarked into also. Very bizarre she got that. Saying fart is is much better tasteful than that, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) And I love, even after this is all said and done, Phil repeats the name Christine Applegate a second time as 50 points is awarded. Hmm. It's like, oh my goodness, is there anybody on the show checking any of these answers?
1: They know what they're doing, yeah.
0: So they next make Mikey move right, uncovering another pop quiz. And so here's the question. What is a whale shark anyway? A whale, a shark, or neither?
1: Yeah, that, that yeah. was quite a, quite a question. I believe it was a shark was the answer.
0: It's a shark, but yeah, because it, it's it's a whale shark, not a shark whale.
1: Uh, and they were so proud of themselves when they got the answer too. It. It's like, oh, a shark. <laughs> I think they gave the other like a high five. I don't know what happened, but I it was, know.
0: yeah. But they get their comeuppance because they move Mikey down right into Blackboard, oh, sorry, Smartboard the Pirate. The Beige Pirate, yes. yes.
2: Smartbeard the Pirate.
0: And we get an animation of him swinging a ruler and saying, walk the plank, you scallywag. School's bad, kids, again. But before they could move Mikey, now the alarm sounds again. Phil's like, okay, we're going to move Mikey to the goal. And they get another sudden death question. It's like, what? Uh, instead of two rounds, how about just do one round?
1: Yeah, one big round where you get to the end, yeah. <laughs>
0: It doesn't even have to be a big round. It's it could just be the same board. You know they nev- they barely scratch the surface of each round. I I don't I don't know what they're and
1: thinking. make the make the prize bigger when they get to the goal if they get there. Make it yeah. more attainable. You know. Yeah. It's almost like they had a copyright. They had to use all those things they created, all the uh, <laughs> the boards
0: and the the, uh, the walking sound. Yeah. So we get the sudden death question. How many arms does a squid have?
1: I gotta say that, honestly, I I thought it was eight, too. That's my first thing I thought in my brain was his eight.
0: Well, see, I I know this from from school because we actually had to dissect them, which was really gross. Yeah. Red team guesses eight. Sorry, that's incorrect. Yellow team seemed a little hesitant, but Danny took a shot and guessed ten, and that was deemed correct, winning them the round.
1: You couldn't go lower than eight. I mean, cause you know it's not six.
0: Well, here's the problem: yeah. ten is not correct. Squids have eight arms. <laughs> is that really? They do. They have they have ten appendages. They have eight arms, and they have two tentacles, which are longer. Oh. So eight arms, two tentacles. Red team should have won this thing.
1: Right. We gotta write a letter to somebody about this.
0: But then they got the Christine, Christina question, so who knows who really won this stupid thing.
1: Yeah, they probably just had to give it to (laughs) him.
0: So, Phil once again reveals every square on the game board. Once again, who cares? Yeah, who
2: cares?
0: (laughs) And with a commanding lead of 240 to 155, the yellow team has declared the winners, and they are moving on to the video zone. And if you were a kid watching this, this is why you're watching the whole thing. You want to get to the video zone. Yeah.
2: I think they're just jumping around in a in a blue room in there, editing in all the video game stuff afterwards.
0: Oh, yes. We'll get to that.
1: I feel bad for the poor girls at this point, because they just look so, you know, so defeated. Yeah. And, and this is so- probably why I decide in future episodes like this, you know, it's very special episodes to put the whole cast of the show through the thing.
0: I know, really. So they only get two fifty for their charity, but they also win the following prizes, which I'm guessing go to the girls?
1: I oh, would hope so. I mean... It's
0: <laughs> It's like, you know, you're not giving it to the, you know, to your charity. Uh, they win Kushlings and we... Do you remember Kushlings I don't even know if they still exist.
1: No, I don't remember them. I do not seem to know what they were. Well, I we knew what
2: the koosh ball is, and I would just slap a doll onto it, and it's a Kushling
0: Pretty much, yeah. They were little little kush balls, arms, legs. And uh, we get a, a short commercial featuring a young Tia and Tamara Maori. And this was uh, only two years before huh. they starred in their own show, Sister, Sister.
1: Oh, I didn't even notice it was them. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's so that was pretty They got funny. their start. Yeah. Cushlings commercial.
0: They also win a CD ROM video game called Stay Tuned. Yeah, I saw that. Packed with 30 animated games, and back then, oh man, these, these games were terrible.
1: Yeah, they were something you would put in your PC if you had a you know CD ROM drive, and they, they were not very good games. They were basically little videos that would play and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they were a kind of a big thing back then because if you had a CD-ROM drive on your computer to play this, it was a pretty amazing thing,
0: anyway. So. Oh yeah. So now we cut back to everyone at center stage, where Phil tells us that Megan and Heidi are going home, but Michael and Danny are going through the stage door into the Video Zone after the commercial break. They so, weren't going
1: home. They were just going to back to California to film another season of uh, Suit Your Shorts. Or well,
0: as we see, they didn't go anywhere. They just kind of stepped to the side for yeah. a few minutes. So when we return from commercial, Michael and Danny are now dressed in their yellow jumpsuits. They have helmets, gloves, elbow pads, knee pads. Not I guess very they were flattering afraid. Outfits. No, no, but I guess they were afraid like the kids were going to like tumble down the stairs or something. <laughs> the blue stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know they get ready to exit through the large stage door and enter the final stage of the game called the video zone. And the video zone, like we talked about earlier fully immersive game where the contestants were actually placed inside of a video game, or at least that's what it looked like to us, the audience. Uh, the, the creators of Nick arcade really were pioneering this immersive virtual reality technology for TV shows. They had, they had done it, I believe in one or two other places before Nick arcade. And, uh, you know, it was just enough that they figured, yeah, we should make this the centerpiece of our own show.
1: This is definitely the first time they did it, yeah. On a regular basis on a show, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was pioneering it in that sense, but in actuality, these kids were blindly interacting with a blue screen set with very, very poor reactivity.
1: I gotta say, I don't know if there were some kind of shenanigans going on here, but they did an awfully good job. I, I've seen a few episodes of this show, like I said. Every other one I've seen with normal kids doing it, they're they're grasping, trying to hit the thing and don't know exactly where it is. Uh, Michael and Danny seemed to know what they were kind of doing ahead of time. (laughs) That's the impression I got. They were pretty good at all three of the levels. And they had kind of a strategy going. So I I don't know what was going on. But they seemed a little too good at this.
0: So Michael and Danny are told they have one minute to get through three levels. If there's any time left after the first two, they will take on one of the three main villains, which we now know know as Mungo. They are going to take them on together for the last stage. For every item they pick up in the game, they will win $50. If they defeat Mungo at the end, they get an additional $500. And so, now we got a rundown of the levels. So, the first player, Michael, must enter level 1, which is called the Haunted Museum. They must collect three pieces of art that cycle in and out of four kind of opening and closing bookcases. On two levels, you know, there's a staircase there. And they must avoid the gargoyle statue, the vampire, the hand of doom, and the tentacle. At the very right of the screen, there's a rope that if they touch it, which I don't think he even did in this. He did? No. It'll open the curtain and it lets the sunlight in and that temporarily removes the enemies. Go, Michael, go!
3: Our right start has been hit. All right, he got one piece of art. Way to go, Mike.
0: He's up the stairs looking for more. There's another. He has to... So what'd you think of this game, Jonah?
2: Uh, I would kind of call it weird and how I understand how he got them all. I think they just played the game afterwards, and they tried to sync it up with how he was
1: moving. <laughs> 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 Joe Jonah, was fully, fully immersed in the conspiracy theory of this here.
0: Wow. yeah, That's like a quiz show scandal here.
1: And like Joe was saying, you know, like you were mentioning, Scott, they have to hit this artwork, which is the same piece of artwork every time. It's like That's a nice. bust of a guy. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Um, it pops out. But you have to hit it, and you've seen other episodes, where you have to hit this thing pretty accurately. Like, I don't know what they're hitting on their side in the blue screen, but... He was nailing it pretty much right on on target every time to make it yeah. actually you know register. Where I've seen other kids like whack around it and not quite hitting it, and they uh, and they don't get it because of that. Um, so it was he did pretty good. I mean he he went up and down the stairs and seemed to know. I'm not I'm not accusing them of any kind of cheating really, but he just did very, they did a very good job.
0: It seems like they did their homework.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they got. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed very kind of a little fishy to me.
0: Now, Phil never explains it, but each player has like a power bar at the top. Yeah, with like five or six squares, and if you get hit that many times, then you everything goes gray, and there's a continue. Yeah, uh, so to that kind of stops start. the game. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, it's it's a fake virtual reality. So Michael's getting hit on the back as he's walking down the stairs, and his power bar just keeps going down. He has no idea he's getting hit.
1: That's all I'm saying. How does he know if there's anything near him? He doesn't. No. Right. He sees a sta- a blue, big blue background with a staircase, and you know, probably things are popping in and out. I don't, I don't even know how they would do that, but he doesn't know he's running into the enemies. It's it's bizarre. <laughs>
0: The only thing I can think that they did was they had, like, a blue screen and a big monitor. Kind of like, you know, as I mentioned, the weathermen had, you know, off to so the side. So he could see what he was doing. But you're look, you're looking at it from a side perspective straight ahead. And straight ahead, you're seeing it from the side perspective on the monitor. It's got to be a very confusing situation. Yeah. I
2: think I have an idea of how they did it. Maybe for, like, the tentacle, they just painted, like, a football blue. And they stuck it on the end of a pool noodle and they ran at him with it. <laughs>
1: Maybe. I was thinking that too but they had guys with outfits like whacking them or something <laughs> <laughs> as he's going down the stairs like a broomer and got a stick
0: that's why they got the helmets and that's why <laughs> yeah the knee pads
1: like, as he's going up the stairs hitting them with a sponge or something
0: now player number two Danny must ride on a side scrolling magic carpet and collect three magic rings that fly by and the villains are just hilarious they just add so many villains that make no sense it's like an Aladdin type of setting.
1: Yeah, it's like the Arabian Nights type of deal. Yeah. yeah. So
0: there's a genie that shoots lightning, the royal guard, the cobras, guard dogs, a sword swinging guard, and a baby dragon. The, baby <laughs>
1: dragon. the, the funniest one to me was the royal, the guard in the castle that was running towards him. Yeah. They couldn't have animated this more incorrectly <laughs> of a, a guy running. His like, feet were like shuffling a little bit. I'm like, what is, what, what is he trying to do? <laughs> it's really bizarre.
3: Go Danny go. Start has been hit at 43 Not seconds scared. down underneath the sword, swinging guard up over the dragon. Ooh, he missed the first ring. He took one unit of power. He has one ring now. And basically he had to just duck
1: and jump <laughs> and grab these rings. So it was a little less physical than uh, than Michael had to do running around.
0: Yeah, um, but even even then there were some Parts where the interface is just so bad. Danny very clearly collects a ring, it doesn't register. And it, just, it doesn't yeah. even register, and then he, as he jumps over the baby dragon, he comes down and maybe his leg touches it, maybe, and it's you know it's counted as him getting hit. It, it just was really bad. Yeah. What did you think of the magic carpet ride game, Jonah?
2: Well, you're right about it not being animated correctly, and I didn't understand the baby dragon at all.
1: <laughs> no one else to either so now alone. <laughs> No. They said, we got to throw something else in here, so let's just throw a baby dragon in.
0: Let's crack it up, just like, oh, and a baby dragon. Like, what? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Danny gets the three rings, and he's just getting hit at the end with a ton of obstacles. There's no way to avoid all of them in these games. They're, like, so bad. Uh, You know, sometimes you would think there'd be, like, a sequence, like, jump, duck, move back. You know what I mean? You can kind of get a pattern. This, no, they just throw everything at you. It's very random,
1: yeah.
2: It's just like Mario Maker. So, so the levels that people make.
0: So now if they have any time left after that, Michael and Danny must take on Mongo, who is like this large ogre-like man wearing green armor. Uh, in this final level, he stands at kind of like an upper level up top, and there's two staircases and a ladder leading up to him. They have to collect, or basically wave their hands through, three floating orbs that kind of appear and disappear, while avoiding Mongo's laser blasts, these lightsaber things that kind of rise up from the floor, and a green ghost-like creature that kind of floats around.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is definitely the, this is the one where they got to play both of them together in this level. Um, And they had a strategy going into it. You know, well, in the last level, the land level, we should say that Danny did an excellent job on
0: that too. But Michael and Danny, like you guys said, played it really well. They enter the final round with 25 seconds left off of their 60-second clock. So that was pretty good, but unfortunately, this must be a separate blue screen set cuz they have to run over and by the time they run over, 4 seconds now have gone off the clock,
1: which is ridiculous. I mean, come on. Pause the timer while they get over the other thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, they can edit it. Yeah.
1: It's very bizarre. But this is like a multi-level thing again. I think there's two staircases that go up on your side. And they played it well with a one sat in the top cuz there's three balls ba- or was it three or four balls?
0: Uh well, there's three they got to collect three orbs. Three,
1: yeah, three orbs, and one of them stayed at the top of the staircase, ones at the bottom, and they're trying their best. They did a, a very good job, I would say, trying to trying to get the uh, orbs, and there's just so much junk flying at them, and they had to restart once. It was just too much.
3: They're gonna do battle with Mongo. Hit start, guys. Somebody hits. All right, they are off up the stairs. Danger, of 20 danger, seconds. Danger, all right, danger. they're down the to one unit of power. There's one orb. Ooh, they are out of power.
0: There was way too much going on. Danny has no idea what's hitting him. You know, if you get your head down and you gotta run, you can't look at that monitor to see. Well, if my if my shoulder just touches that ghost, you know, I'm gonna get hit. Yeah. So, so Danny gets one, and then he just gets hit by all the villains, and everything goes gray. And they hit continue again, and now there's only five seconds left. And like you said, Danny did good. He got he stayed up there and just waited for the orb to reappear, which it did. So now he's got two. And just to the other side, there's like the last one, and he just decides he's gonna run, and he runs through all the villains. If you notice, I don't think his power bar goes down. I think he was moving too fast for <laughs> to the. <register> uh, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: He gets to go fast, and then won't pick it up.
0: But it was just wasn't enough time. He just touches it right after time expires. So you wonder with the four seconds left, gotten it, it probably probably would have won. Yeah. So, game over, goes across the screen, Phil tells us, well, the guys were hustling, but Mongo was just a bit too awesome. (laughs) Okay.
1: Sure, Phil, okay.
0: And so he tallies up their score, which I didn't get. It's like their score plus their video game items reaches a grand total of $600.
1: That was was the end of the, yeah, I don't know, I was trying to figure out the math there too, and (laughs) it wasn't worth going back. $600 Six hundred bucks for charity is what American uh, or no, by the uh, the Human Fund or whatever that charity was. <laughs> no, that,
0: that was George Costanza's <laughs> fund for peace.
1: Fund for peace. Sorry. Yes. Yeah.
0: So Danny and Michael re-enter the stage. They're winded as Megan and Heidi rejoin them, along with, out of nowhere, Kirk Bailey, who plays <laughs> Ugg. That was I was laughing. The camp counselor from "Salute Your Shorts." Ugly. You... Ke- the best name
1: ever. Yes. Kevin Lee was the character's name, but is. Me- <laughs>
0: His his nickname was Ugg, (laughs) ugly, and I just love like when he comes out. Phil points and goes, he plays Ugg. (laughs) Like yes, we know, we know Phil.
1: We're very excited. Calm down, calm down. (laughs) First time being a celebrity, we know, but you know, and Kirk Bailey had has a very um, big career. Honestly, Mm. Um, he's the you know he's probably one of the. uh, Besides the kid actors who did, you know, a little bit more in in show business, he had quite a few nice, uh, nice roles um, after Salute Your Shorts. I mean, he was in shows The Larry Sanders Show, he was in NYPD Blue, Melrose Place, and a bunch of movies. Big Hero Mm -hmm. Six. Yeah, he does a lot of voice voice work. in Frozen. Big Hero Six and Frozen. But my favorite role of his, and I realized this after I looked up his um, IMDb stuff, he was actually in Star Trek Voyager. (laughs) He played the role of Magnus Hansen. Now, do you know who that is, Scott? Magnus Hansen. No, no clue. He was in a few episodes of Star Trek Voyager. They were kind of like flashback episodes. He played Seven of Nine's father.
0: Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah,
1: Magnus Hansen, because her name was Annika Hansen, her human name before she was taken by the Borg. Okay. And there was a flashback episode showing how that Borg got him, basically. Spoiler alert. And he was he was like a scientist who you know took his daughter and his wife to research the Borg. And his name was Magnus Hansen. He's in the whole episode. And yeah, it's it's UG. It's amazing.
0: Wow. Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah. Good career for him. Prolific yep. actor, voice actor, like you mentioned. And uh, yeah, in his early sixties now, hard to believe.
1: Yeah, sixty four. His, his uh, Wikipedia site is very funny. It has all you know statistics about born, nationality, you know other names, occupation. Known for, salute your shorts, as Kevin Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and you go into his roles, and there's like 50 other roles listed. but That's the one that people remember him as. Oh, of
0: course.
2: I wonder if people ever call him Ugly save, the show.
1: I'm sure they do. I'm sure he gets it all the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that's why his current occupation is he does ADR looping for film and television, which I have no idea what that is.
0: ADR is uh, when they add dialogue after the fact. So, like, sometimes in a show, you'll see, like, behind somebody's head, and you'll hear, like, an awkwardly put-in oh. phrase, like, I think he's over there. You know, like that. That's all ADR. Oh, okay.
1: Well, that's what he does. That's his current, one of his current occupations.
0: So, it's really funny that he's just there, just kind of, like, you know, cheering <laughs> the kids on. He, he says nothing. He just smiles and waves with everybody else. They probably need a chaperone from the flight from L.A. to Orlando. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, that's a good point. They they did have to fly across the country like to get mentioned. there. Yeah, because yeah. it was
1: filmed in Orlando. Nick Arcade, wow! So, so he
0: made the he made the flight all the way over there too. The
1: three thousand mile flight on uh, Nickelodeon's uh, tab to <laughs> be in three seconds of this episode.
0: Yeah, on the uh, orange blimp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Fillmore signs off, thanking us all for watching Nick Arcade. And uh, In the closing credits, we, we read that a promotional fee has been paid for and or promotional consideration has been provided by Roma Kids and, of course, British Knights.
1: British Knights, gotta give it, which is kind of funny because one of the things about your Salute Your Shorts is the whole first season was basically sponsored by Reebok. Mm. A lot of Reebok references in the first season of Salute Your Shorts. So, again, that Bre- British Knights start taking over at this point. As a shoe manufacturer, shoe supplier of uh, Nickelodeon shows.
0: Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a Nickelodeon game show unless kids were taking home BKS at the end. Yeah,
1: that's um, right.
2: I have one thing to say about the credits. Yeah. I saw some credits for the people who made Jet Jocks.
1: Yep, they were credited on the uh, <laughs> in the credits.
0: Yeah, Jet Jocks graphics and programming done by Psygnosis. It's like Terrible it's... logo.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's where the logo comes up. Yep. <laughs> Shame on them.
0: And uh, after we get all of the scrolling credits over the theme music and applause and the waving contestants, we get that animated drawing of the beloved Nickelodeon Studios building. Yep. And uh, Andrea closes by saying, Nick Arcade is taped before a live studio audience at Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios, Orlando, Florida. And that, that drawing, it's kind of almost like a pastel animation over the actual video. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to explain, but they would show that at the end of a lot of those Nickelodeon shows once they were filming there in Orlando and uh, you know Sean we've talked about it before we just you know love that building
1: yeah we've talked about before what's currently resides as it's still there the building is still there but it's no longer nickelodeon studios florida it's um no more no.
0: green slime fountain
1: no nope, it's totally gone
2: yeah That's i fu- remember watching a youtube video with you about a guy who actually went into there
1: yeah and he, he took comparisons of what it was and yeah but unfortunately it's now the home of the Blue Man Group.
0: So, with that final look at that magical building, our 16-bit adventure draws to a close. So, guys, what are your thoughts now upon watching Nick Arcade for this episode of the podcast?
2: Well, it had some good parts and it had some bad parts. That's what I have to say about it.
1: What well, do you think it was the best part that you enjoyed most about the show?
2: Well, I like seeing how bad she was at Sonic the Hedgehog.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was horrible at that. Yeah. Poor Megan. I agree with Jonah. I think it definitely had some good parts. For the time, I mean, I'm sure it was pretty amazing to us back in 1991 when we saw this. It didn't really carry over much until 2016. (laughs) It was kind of ridiculous now. But, I mean, the technology was different and that the gaming systems are different. So it was funny seeing... I think the funniest part was seeing the Salute Your Shorts characters on there, or the, the actors on there doing that, and seeing them all grown up now. So... They were kind of like my peers around the same time frame, same age as I am now. So seeing them now and seeing them back then is, is interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I loved seeing this. It's a great piece of uh, nostalgia, a great piece of Nickelodeon history for anybody that's kind of interested in, in how the uh, channel changed over time. You know, they kind of moved a little bit away from the green slime and they were moving towards, you know, the, the wave of computers and, you know, home consoles and things like that. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's very, very dated, and it's funny just to go back and look to see what uh, entertained us as yeah, children. You're yeah,
1: <laughs> the games were fun. I mean, it was just a fun show overall, and I'm really surprised still it lasted. So it wasn't that long lived, and they they banged out those eighty four episodes, and that was it. Yeah. So, but yeah, definitely worth watching on YouTube. Salute your shorts also, which we'll talk about another time. Yes. And go into more detail about that.
0: Alright, and that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, how many orbs you've collected, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, do you guys have anything you want to plug?
2: Yeah, my YouTube channel. It's just endercoder, the same as my Minecraft name.
1: Can you spell that us, Jonah?
2: E-N-D-E-R-C-O-D-E-R.
1: What do you have on your YouTube channel?
2: I only have two videos up as of now, but there's going to be... A- Different kinds of videos, not just Minecraft ones, but I'm going to be playing ROM hacks for video games, like Mario 64 Chaos, stuff like that.
1: Nice. Yep, very good. We also have a YouTube channel, Me and Jonah Play On. It's uh, on our uh, three blind mics, where we do Minecraft um, survival maps together as father and son, which is kind of cool. I'm also on Twitter. I forget my thing, so look at the hitting play Twitter. (laughs) Feel free.
0: Very nice. I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine. There my name is also MC and Friends. And there I do flip page cartoons, little humorous animations. Uh, If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. And if you do, we will give you a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are available to stream and or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio as well as the Google Play Music app. So you can check us out on those platforms. And uh, if you have a Roku device, you can save us as a favorite on the TuneIn Radio channel, and you can stream us right through your television as these episodes are posted. Well, we have been Jonah, Sean, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening.
3: We want to thank you for this special day. Thank you all for coming. We'll see you next time on NickRK. See ya! <laughs> <laughs> Arcade is taped before a live studio audience at Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios, Orlando, Florida.